Hey everyone, it's Cheryl and Tony. Welcome to this Friday morning edition of the Disney Drive Time Podcast. You're a little off your game since we've come back from vacation. Yeah, well, you know, that's what relaxation does to me. That's right. Lots of news, exciting news today. Well, which is really one big piece of exciting news, and that's that the Millennium Falcon has been added to FastPass Plus. That's right. Not only the Millennium Falcon, but the Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run, uh, the ride. Yes. Um, so this ride has been open now five or six months, right? Well, opened in September, yeah, I believe. September. Uh, and the crowds have been uh, forced to go into standby line. Uh, there was a single rider option, but fast passes were not uh, being taken for this this ride. But as of February nineteenth, uh, Smuggler's Run is a selectable fast pass option, uh, and in uh, conjunction with that, they have modified the tiers in Hollywood Studios. Uh, if you're not familiar with the uh, tier system, uh, some of the parks have what they consider tier one rides. Uh, and tier two rides. And in those parks of your three fast passes, you have to make one tier one selection and two tier two selections. So as of February 19th, the two tier one selections in uh, Hollywood Studios will be Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run and Slinky Dog Dash. Okay, well, at least they've moved things around because it used to be that, I think, Toy Story Mania... It was Toy Story Mania, Slinky Dog Dash, and like Aerosmith. No, and the the really the uh, what's the other ride in Toy Story Land? Uh, Alien Saucer Swirl. Yes, was a was a one. It was a top tier one. So you had to choose between those. So it's nice that those have gotten bumped out of being tier ones. Yes, very interesting to see what this will do for the wait times. Uh, Millennium Falcon usually had under a two hour wait. Um, so this will, this will be interesting to see how things go and it'll, it'll be interesting to see how long before Rise of the Resistance, uh, goes to fast pass as opposed to boarding groups. I hope that we stay with boarding groups for at least until the end of April. Right. Uh, cause we're looking to go in April and once you move to fast passes, if you don't have a trip planned, that's a long trip and you're toward your, your day at Hollywood studios is toward the end. The chances of getting one of those fast passes is, is pretty slim. So then you're talking about a standby line, which is going to be, be hours, hours long. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope they hold out on that. Well, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. So speaking of um, Galaxy's Edge, when we went on our trip last week, you got to go for a few hours. Yes. You want to tell our listeners about your experience? Yeah. So uh, as you might have heard and we've talked about, uh, the parks were opening early at 7 and people have been showing up ahead of time. So I actually got in line at 6 a.m., uh, the park opened around 625. They herded us into a waiting area. And then at 7 a.m., the boarding groups went live and you could go into the app and join a boarding group. Uh, I got boarding group 69, which was pretty late considering I was just a single traveler and was hoping they could squeeze me in somewhere. I was hoping for an early number because we were leaving uh, for our cruise that same day at uh, 10. Well, I wanted to leave the parks by 10, 1030. And uh, with boarding group 69, there was pretty much no way that I would be able to get on uh, Rise of the Resistance. I went to guest services. I tried to sweet talk them. They moved me up uh, five boarding groups into boarding group 64. Which does a whole lot of nothing. Which didn't really do any good. And by 10 o'clock when I left the park, they were only on boarding group, uh, I think, 26. So it was just a very slow day. Um, the good thing, though, was uh, after they opened up the park, 
they kind of herd everybody right into Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run, so you have no choice if you're going to go into Galaxy's Edge. Uh, that's where they guide you to. You can't go to a store. You can't go to one of the little restaurants. They line the walkways and they push everybody to one side and you go right into the queue for Millennium Falcon, Smuggler's Run. Uh, so I was able to ride that and I was, if the park opened at 7, I'd say by 7.20 I was off of uh, Smuggler's Run. That's good. And walking around Galaxy's Edge. Mm-hmm. So it was a very cool experience. Galaxy's Edge rocked. Um the line, even for food, was like a 15-minute wait to get into the quick service location. Uh, I managed to use my mobile app, and I had food in three minutes. So I managed to circumvent the whole line situation. Um, the green milk, I tried the green milk as opposed to the blue milk because I asked the cast member working the counter what her favorite was, um, and uh, the green milk was very good. I uh, did get to see some stormtroopers, uh, didn't see Kylo Ren, uh, or uh, briefly got to see Chewie uh, walking around Batu. Uh, it was very impressive. As a, as a lifelong Star Wars fan who was nine years old when Star Wars debuted uh, in 1977, um, you know I was I was uh, super impressed, and it really was kind of like stepping into the movies. Uh, you know I've said this before that it would have been a lot cooler had it been an actual place that we visited in the movies before. Uh, as opposed to this new, you know, Black Spire outpost on the planet of Batu on the outer rims of the galaxy. Uh, there was no real emotional tie to it, whereas if it had been like the Moss Eisley sp- spaceport, uh, and you just have to excuse me because I have to wake Cheryl up right now. <laughs> um, you know, if it had been something like the Moss Eisley spaceport or Alderaan or Hoth or Mustafar, you know, somewhere that we had been before Coruscant, uh, I think it would have been a little more uh, of a tie. But that being said, it was still very cool uh, to see full-size life speeders and X-Wings and the Millennium Falcon and uh, just, you know, the, the Star Wars-style architecture. It was it was super impressive. Cool. Did you do anything else when you were in Hollywood Studios for those few hours in the morning? I did. I ran uh, I ran over and rode uh, Midway uh, Toy Story Mania. Mm-hmm. Um, was I, there a wait for that? No, I had a fast pass. But oh, there, okay. there was a wait. So you, but you made it. Must have made a fat pa- fast pass like that morning. I made the fast pass the evening before. Okay. And I think I fast passed something else. Oh, I also had a fast pass for Star Tours, which I ended up not using. Uh, but I did go into the launch bay and checked out some of the uh, displays there for Star Wars, um, and uh, then just walked around Hollywood Studios a bit mm-hmm. and, and took it all in. Cool. So, yeah. And then you met us on the Skyliner and. We yep. took a quick ride and we were off for our cruise. Exactly. Very nice. So, um, but speaking of Star Wars, uh, the Disney Cruise Line has announced that Star Wars Day at Sea will return in 2021. Uh, it will be around, um, let's see, in January and February on seven night sailings on the Fantasy. So those will be Eastern and Western Caribbean sailings uh, out of Port Canaveral. Um, so if you're interested, uh, touch base with me and, uh, you know, we can get you a quote for that. Mm-hmm. Those are a lot of fun. We did the Star Wars Day at Sea uh, for our Western Caribbean last year. What month did we do it? We It was our January cruise. It was January. Yeah. Um, I'm on one of my other boards on Facebook, there's uh, someone who's on the Western um, Star Wars Day at Sea cruise right now. And those stop at Cozumel... Um, they stop in Jamaica, Grand Cayman, and then Disney's Castaway Key. 
And on this cruise so far, they had only been able to stop in Cozumel. They missed their Jamaica Day because the seas were rough. Wow. I know. And they missed their Grand Cayman Day, which we've which actually- happens all the time. Yeah, we've done two Western Caribbean cruises, and both times we were not able to um, port at Grand Cayman because mm-hmm. um, they tender in. So it's extra hard because if those little, if it's if the water's really moving, those little tender boats just right, can't, handle can't, it. can't do it. Um, so tomorrow is the day that they're supposed to go to Castaway Key. So fingers crossed for them that they right. can um, port there. It's, so it's an important thing to know that they do run these Star Wars Days Day at Sea cruises during a time when um, the cruise ships aren't as full. You know, it's a good way to draw people in. And part of the reason why they're not as full is because of the type of weather. So there is always a chance, well, when you take any cruise, but especially um, a cruise in January or February, uh, the the seas can be a little choppy and uh, you might miss one of your ports. So you have to be prepared that that can possibly happen. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, let's see. Oh, a new poster has been released. No. no? Go back up a couple. Oh, you want to talk about Broadway? Yes. Because you like Broadway. I love Broadway. I know you do. I'm all about the show tunes. Yep, I knew it. And the jazz hands. Um, some broad, the Broadway stars have debu- are debuting this weekend at the Festival of the Arts, and Disney Parks is going to live stream the performance. That's right. Uh, the Disney on Broadway concert series kicks off on Ep- in Epcot this weekend, and on the twenty, oh, what night is that? The twenty fifth, which is Saturday, um, they are going to live stream from the Festival of the Arts at seven fifty five p.m. The concert is going to feature performances by Alton Fitzgerald White and Kissy Simmons from The Lion King, Heidi Blickenstaff from The Little Mermaid, and Gavin Lee from Mary Poppins. So that should be enjoyable. If we're around, well, I'll, I'll be around. You guys are at a cheer competition. Mm-hmm. So I will be. While Not you're a at a cheer competition. We're at a dance sorry, competition. While you're at a dance competition, I will be live streaming the Broadway uh, concert series. You could dance with us. I will, I will jazz hands. All right. Now, can I talk about the poster? Sure. There is a new poster released for the Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, and this one is uh, with the theme of Tokyo Go. That's right. So uh, as we've spoken about before, they are releasing uh, a series of posters related to Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. These video shorts are Mickey cartoons. It's a video short or a poster? It's It's a poster about the video short? But it's based on the video short. Okay. So this is all very confusing. All to of me. these, all of these posters have corresponding cartoons to them. So Tokyo Go is a little story about Mickey on the bullet trains in Tokyo. So is the idea that you think that they're going to show these shorts as you're waiting in line and stuff for Mickey and Minnie's Railway Railway? It could be, or it's just you know they're telling people to go and watch these videos, uh, these cartoon shorts as a way to get a little feel for Mickey and how he's going to be inside the attraction. Okay. But it's that new animation, that new style of, mm-hmm. of animation for Mickey. Um, so this is the fourth poster in the series. We did not talk about the other day the Split Decision poster, which is kind of like a Jekyll and Hyde version of Donald Duck that was released. Uh, but the posters are, are, are kind of cool. Um, the posters are supposed to line the queue at Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, um, which will be opening on March 4th at Hollywood Studios. And uh, they actually released a, uh, a toy train whistle. Aww. With the little uh, uh, car from the attraction on it. Hollywood Studios is going to be hopping yes. when we're there in April. Yep. It's going to be very busy. It is. But you know what's not going to be hopping? Pirates League at the, the Magic Pirates Kingdom. Pirates League, yeah. Uh, rumor, well, not rumor, I guess it's official as of the Walt Disney, uh, as it's been posted on the Walt Disney World website, is that the Pirates League is going to be closing. 
if you are not familiar with the Pirate Pirates League, maybe that's why it's closing. <laughs> uh, but the Pirates League is kind of uh, like the boys' version of Bippity Boppity Boutique, um, although they you know could handle uh, young girls as well. Uh, they would do makeover packages to transform guests into a pirate captain, first mate, or a mermaid. Yeah, it was nice, but it sort of uh, ran its run and. Yeah. Yeah, people are over it, I guess. It is no bippity boppity boutique. It is not. It's for the 2020 California Food and Wine Festival at California Adventure are on sale now. That is running from February 28th to April 21st. That's um, right. We were there last year for that. We were. Mm-hmm. What do you think of it? We just, I think we tried a couple of things. It was nice. Um, it's spread. It's really spread out. So like we're used to the one at Epcot where everything lines that walkway, the way that the um, uh, World Showcase is laid out. You know, you walk in a circle around the lake, and so all the booths are sort of laid out along that circle. So it's easy to get to each one. You don't really have to like look for them. They don't have that kind of space at California Adventure. So the booths just line walkways going up and down and this way and that way and intersecting other walkways. You have to sort of look at a map to try to figure out where the thing you want might be. But you know what's funny is when the Food and Wine Festival uh, started in Epcot, a lot of the kiosks and stuff felt very temporary. Mm -hmm. And now these kiosks, because they have so many festivals and they've got so many food options, these kiosks have become more permanent structures. And I felt like the ones in California are still the temporary version. Yeah. You know, they just don't do enough festivals inside California Adventure to warrant permanent uh, buildings. And that's okay. I think the problem that I had with it is the California Adventure walkways are not super wide. mm -hmm. There's not a ton of room there to start with. Right. You know, around the world showcase, those walkways are huge. Right. Um, so there's plenty of room to put a kiosk. There's not a lot of room at the um, at, at the ones at California Adventure. So you put these booths, and sometimes you're putting booths across from each other, and now you've made the walkways quite narrow, thinner, and then right. you're, people, you're trying to wait in line, and then you, when you get the food, there's really nowhere to eat it. I mean, people right. complain about there not being a place to eat the food when you're in Epcot and you get things. If you're at the, um, if you're at California Adventure for this festival, there really is nowhere to, to eat. There's, right. They don't have the space to set up a bunch of little tables. So Yeah, it just feels very temporary. But it, yeah. if you do opt to go this year, you will have a good time because they have some tours. Uh, they have a Disney Culinary Adventure Tour, which is Wednesday and Thursdays during the festival. And it gives you a behind-the-scenes look at some of the offerings with a unique hands-on food experience. The tour is available for guests uh, 12 and older, and admission to California Adventure is required, as well as the tour cost of $99 plus tax. Um, There are also some winemaker receptions at Carthay Circle, so you get to selection of wines with hors d'oeuvres as you chat with winemakers and industry experts. Uh, That is March 20th, Skywalker Vineyards, March 27th, Fest Parker Winery and Vineyard, and April 10th, Silverado Vineyards. Uh, The reception for those is for people 21 and older. Once again, admission to California Adventure is required, and the cost for the event is $100 plus tax and gratuity. Mm. Um, If you just want to go for beer, wine, and mixology tastings and seminars, those are on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays throughout the festival. These seminars are for guests 21 and older. Uh, I'm going to quiz you on this. Do you have to have admission to California Adventure? Yes. Yes. And the cost for each seminar is $25. All right. That's not too bad. Yeah. 
Uh, at the Magic Kingdom, they have extended the early morning magic offering through July. Um, the early morning magic is uh, held on select mornings from 7.45 to 10 a.m. It includes breakfast at where, Cosmic, Cosmic Rays. Yep. Um, and you do have to have park admission for the day. So this um, this is an addition to that cost. And what is the cost of the early morning magic? For an adult, it's $89 and $79 for a child, which is ages three to nine. And ha- what, what are the attractions that are so open? So there are only seven attractions in Fantasyland that are open for this. And those are The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, Seven Dwarves Mine Train, Peter Pan's Flight, Princess Fairytale Hall, It's a Small World, Mad Tea Party, and Under the Sea, Journey of the Little Mermaid. I mean, so no filler magic. No, when we were when we were just there, it was surprisingly busy. I mean, it was Martin Luther King Day, so I get it, but I mean, it was really busy. And I can see, I don't like to spend the money, but I can see that this would have been helpful had we been there like that early. Yes. But to be able to like knock out two major attractions as far as um wait times, so Peter Pan and um uh, the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, to be able mm-hmm. to sort of knock those out in the first part of the day. Right. Um, it leaves you a, a lot more time as the rest of the day goes on to wait in the lines for the other things, especially if you maybe have fast passes for, you know, three of the other, you know, mountains or something. Right. Um, it, it might be the only way that you can really get everything in in a day in the Magic Kingdom. Um, Disneyland After Dark has announced its first uh, event, and that is going to be held on August 27th, and it is Star Wars Night. It is their next event. I think they have scheduled for February, which is the Sweethearts uh, thing that they did like last Ah, year. Okay. Uh, So their next one, August 27th, uh, Star Wars Night. It happens to be the same – it's the opening night for Star Wars Celebration, which is a Star Wars convention which rotates – uh, across the country every year. This year it is being held in at the Anaheim Convention Center. So, uh, you know, you'll have a lot of Star Wars fans there for that. And with this After Dark event, they will have unique entertainment-themed food and beverages, uh, unique photo opportunities, merchandise, and uh, they will celebrate the Twin Moon Eclipse Day in Batu. I don't know what that means, but it sounds exciting. What hours do they run this? Uh, the party begins at 9 p.m. It does not show an ending time, uh, but you get early access at 6. Mm-hmm. So I would assume it to I think run. It goes to like midnight. To, uh, at least 11, if Maybe not midnight. One. Yeah. Yeah. I think it goes pretty late. Tickets are not yet on sale and pricing has not yet been released, they but they sell, have announced it. They sell out really, really fast. Yeah. Um, Space 220 is set to open to guests, the rumor is anyway, uh, March 30th. That is true. Yeah. So I'm, I think it would be fun to get reservations to this for our trip in April. I think it's the kind of thing we're going to have to watch daily because by the time we see it listed as a news story somewhere, those reservations, reservations are going to be gone. Yep. Um, and then oh, we have a rendition of the new M&M store that's coming to Disney Springs. So that looks uh, bright and colorful, sort of a white stucco building with um, colorful M&Ms plastered all over the front. And uh, the doorways are like yellow, maybe partial M&Ms. Maybe. Or like the little M&M dispenser machine kind of it looks like. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of bright colors and pops um, on a sort of stark white building so that those colors really do show well. Right. And that is going to be on the west side of Disney Springs. It is set to open in 2020, although a date has not yet been, uh, been given. 
Okay. Um, Shanghai Disney is uh, suffering a little bit because of the coronavirus, um, and they are offering refunds um, for people who have decided to cancel their trips. That's right. Um, so the, the theme park doesn't mention anything about the actual outbreak, uh, but they state that we understand that in recent days, some guests may wish to change their travel plans. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you have purchased tickets for Shanghai Disneyland or any other services at the park, you can reschedule to a new day within six months. If you can't make it within that six months, you can ask for a refund. If you have hotels booked, you may choose, uh, once again to, move to a date within six months or get a refund after that date. And then if you have booked tickets for the Beauty and the Beast Mandarin production, uh, you may schedule the visit before, uh, you may schedule another visit any day before February 23rd or get a refund if you cannot visit the resort that day. So uh, even though the coronavirus uh, is, you know, it's not running rampant out there, but uh, uh, the resort itself, Shanghai Disney, is operating normally, and there have been no travel restrictions placed in the region, and there have been no cases of illness reported within the park. Okay. But local shops are running out of protective face masks very quickly. So I would not be surprised if they managed to, uh, you know, like in Florida, they, they make ponchos with the Disney logo. Yeah. Maybe they should make protective face right. masks with the Mickey Mouse logo on it. You know who's super scared and has started covering up in who's, because of uh, this coronavirus? Who's that? Uh, City Hall at the Magic Kingdom. Oh, really? Yeah, he was. They were super scared, and so they covered themselves with scrim. Yes, um, little refurbishment <laughs> going on. You're you're completely insane. Uh, little refurbishment going on at City Hall. Uh, no idea as to how long it's going to be down. Um, but when we were there last week, they had one end of it had scrim around it. And now they have covered the entire uh, front of City Hall. Um, the weird thing is it's just a plain beige scrim. Usually when they do a full facade, uh, they have screen printed that facade onto the scrim. It's either the first step before they put up a fully printed scrim or it's not going to be up all that long. They might just be doing painting. Maybe. So um, there's some new pins in Disneyland. They're really cute. Uh, Disney Princess Tiara pins. Uh, tiara or Tiara? I always say Tiara. You sure. say Tiara? I usually do, yeah. Okay. Maybe Tiara's right. I don't know. Tiara sounds fancier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm classy. Yeah, you are. Pinky's out. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not a pin collector, but these are really pretty. And the packaging is nice. The the Tiara uh, shows on a drawing of the princess that the Tiara belongs to. Right. So how much are those? Those are twelve ninety nine. Um, you know, like Cheryl said, they're they're cute little sketches, and the tiaras are placed on their head, so it looks like they're wearing them. Uh, the bell one is uh, yellow jewels with a red rose and detailing in the center of the design. Rapunzel is the actual tiara that she wore entangled. Um, it's three jewels on top of a gold design with red jewels. Ariel's is in the color of her shells and uses ocean theme detailing. Uh, and those are the only three that uh, were displayed and discussed. Yeah, so those might be the only three right now. Right. Maybe there's more coming. But... If they're popular, expect to see more. Yeah, they will be popular. They're nice. Um, and so river, there's some river cruises we talked about yesterday that are um, the new dates had been released for next year. Uh, there's a special perk that you can possibly sign up for as part of one of the river cruises. What's the story there? Yeah, if you do any of the Rhine River sailings, uh, you have the option for a port excursion to tour the Meyerwerft shipyard in Papenburg, Germany. 
why would you want to do that, you ask? Well, you get to go and visit the Disney Wish, which is the Disney Cruise Line's fifth ship, which is currently under construction. Um, and you get to take a tour guided by a Disney Imagineer. Yeah, very neat. I have a feeling that excursion is going to book up very quickly. Right. Um, and then... In other... In other flying news... <laughs> Were we talking about flying? No, I was going to say like other attraction park news outside of Disney. Yeah, we're just going to jump to the next thing here. Madame Tussauds um, has erected a flying pink figure at, at their entrance area, and they are offering discounts if you wear pink and post a selfie. That's right. You get 10% off, and it is uh, pink doing one of her high-flying acrobatic uh, things where like, she flies yeah, on she the does those in her silks. Con- yeah, she does that during so her So she's going to be 12 feet above the visitor's. Um, they've additionally added some new LED video displays with revamped lighting and music at uh, Madame Tussauds. And uh, to commemorate the unveiling, the wheel, at the wheel, which is also known as uh, the eye, the, the big The Ferris Orlando wheel. eye, yeah, that big Ferris wheel. Um, and that, those are located like next to each other. So you right. get off of the uh, Orlando eye and you're basically like in the lobby to Madame Tussauds. Yep. They are turning the wheel pink uh, January 23rd through January 26th. Oh, fun. That's a fun thing to do if you are in Orlando and you decide not to buy um, Disney World tickets, um, whether you're staying at the Disney Resort or not, or if you just didn't buy tickets for as long. People are sometimes looking for other things besides Disney or Universal to do. Or Gatorland. Yep, Gatorland's a good one too. But this, um, we did a trip where, I think, what did we do, SeaWorld? I don't even know if we did SeaWorld. We did Gatorland. We did... um, we had a couple of days where we did some non-Disney stuff. Yeah, I think we only did like one day in the Disney parks. When we so we did one day at like Gatorland, and then we did an evening um, where we did Madame Tussauds and uh, the Orlando Eye. It's a right. lot, it's actually a lot of fun. And now they've added that giant wheel there, which is the uh, spinny. Oh no! You, know, you get in the seat and it, it oh, goes no. up five or three hundred feet mm-hmm. and spins you around. Mm-hmm. Nope. Um, and Universal has announced that the Nintendo area that has had been discussed um, is actually definitely going to be a real thing at Epic Universe. Um, and they are saying it's going to be a game changer like Harry Potter. Yeah, they are investing. You know, Nintendo is a Japanese um, entity uh, and very popular. So popular that Universal is actually opening a, um, a park in Japan called Super Nintendo World uh, that's going to open this summer. The brand is also coming to Universal Parks in California. And then the third gate that they're opening in Orlando in 2023 will have some Nintendo components to it. So, um, you know, Universal uh, putting a lot of stock in uh, Nintendo. There's so many uh, properties, intellectual properties that they can use for rides and attractions. Um, you know, it, it it's well, going to lend itself well to the theme yeah. parks. Personally, I don't get it. No, but, you know, it's not for everybody, but, you know, they knew what they were doing with Harry Potter, so maybe they're on to something. Exactly. you have anything to, uh, else to close it out here? No, I feel like this was a really long show. It was, 27 minutes. I feel like I've been talking forever. So we'll just end it here, and uh, until tomorrow, I'm Tony. And I'm Cheryl. And you've been listening to the Disney Drive Time Podcast. <laughs>